Hi Brickies, I'm Dominic, the last one standing with a kink for cannibalism. And I'm Kate, the resident phobia expert who also hears voices. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about stuff that scares us. Ripping a few laughs and survival tips along the way. As always, please subscribe, rate and review us. And don't forget to follow us on the socials at Shit and Bricks Podcast. Like the morning after a night on the curries and cans, here it comes. So drop your ducks, pop a squat and let's get into it. Well, I'm going to record my audio. I'm going to do the same. In fact, I beat you, Kate. Oh, no. <laughs> Don't beat me. <laughs> Kate, it's not shitting bricks related, but I'm just going to jump in the deep end. Hi, Kate. Hi. How are you, Dom? Please jump in the deep end. And congratulate you and North Melbourne on making a really smart decision. <laughs> Thank you very much. For those of you... Even if you are from Australia and care about AFL football, um, North Melbourne, my team, my beloved North Melbourne Kangaroos have signed Alastair Clarkson, uh, who's an exceptional coach and we really need him. And I just spent all day on Friday just walking around work, just screaming, Clarko, <laughs> just, to, just to no one, um, which was great. I'm so happy for you, Kate. <laughs> Thank you. Now we just need a, a gun, you know, midfielder slash centre half forward um, that, you know, I might know <laughs> to put on the North colours and my life will be set. Oh, my Lord. Could you imagine? <laughs> I can. I'm just I'm manifesting. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How are you, Dom? What is news? Tell me everything. I had a very good weekend. Busy. I was in... Canberra, Sydney, and Melbourne, all within a 48-hour period. What? That's too many places. I also don't, I'm not the biggest fan of Sydney's, but, you know, I don't want to lose listeners, so I love Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling super pumped for maybe a slightly different kind of episode this week, Kate. So, How about we do something a little bit different and take it away? Oh, my God. I'm going to take you away. Um, I am going to take you away to somewhere. Now, I teased this episode was going to be about a clown motel. Mm. And don't fret, there still is some information about a clown motel. But what I stumbled upon was the deepest, darkest rabbit hole of history. And it is, rather than talking just about the clown motel, I want to talk about the place that this motel exists. And that is in a little town called Tonopah in Nevada. Uh, Tonopah, go in there, I think. Tonopah, yeah. Uh, so Tonopah is, yeah, this this small little town. It's got a population of just under 2,500 people. So it's not really big. No. Uh, but what got me onto this is some newspaper articles from a long time ago, which I'll go into. Uh, a little bit about this, like, mining town <laughs> where all of this horrendous shit happened and it was just part of everyday life. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about the Clown Motel. Um, but it was just, there were too many interesting stories for me to leave out. So I'm, I'm squishing it all into this episode, but... When I got onto reading these papers from the early, you know, 1900s, I was just 
like I was doing it for like three hours. <laughs> I was reading all of these newspapers. So I'm going to share some stories. Let me take you on a little trip to Tonopah, Nevada. Uh, let's go. Okay. I've got my so, my beautiful brimmed hat. I've got my Lovely. Walking Have you got cane. your camelback? Sure. Your camelback pack so you can just suckle on some water whilst you're walking hands-free. Because it's a desert, right? Yes, we are in the desert. Oh, very good. <laughs> I know my geography. So, yeah, you're killing it. Um, about as good as me. I'm not very good either. Now, Tonopa, as I mentioned, is a part, town with a population of just under 2,500 people. It was originally a Native American campground, but we all know a little bit of history about what generally happened with them. In the early 1900s, after collecting silver-rich samples on a trip, Jim Butler filed eight claims on the land and established a small mining camp. So eight claims sounds like our uh, prime minister. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I have these eight jobs and I'll be paid for all of them. What a guy. Uh, so Jim Butler has, uh, yeah, got this little mining camp, Butler's mines and those built a few years later by the Belmont mining company bought prospectors from everywhere. Uh, and the community quickly grew from a small 14 man camp into a bustling settlement. Wow. So that's kind of how it works. Lots of people come, they need places to eat, drink and sleep. Uh, so, you know, things start to be built, built, built. Oh, <laughs> yep. Oh, during its founding years, Tonopa was witness to several tragedies. Oh, I cannot wait to tell you about these tragedies. It's a true thrill. In 1905, a plague, which was later discovered to be pneumonia, but I don't know, they were curing everything with cocaine in the 1900s still, I think, so fair enough. Um, it swept the tiny community, killing 56 residents between January and April, causing a mass exodus from the town. A few years later, in 1911, a fire at the Belmont Mine killed 17 people. Ooh. The Tonopah Cemetery... Mm, maybe I'll tell you a little bit more about that. Uh, I will. That's a majority of the story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, it was built in 1901. It served as a final resting place for victims of these misfortunes, as well as several others. It closed uh, in 1911 when tailings from the Tonopah Extension Mine washed over and destroyed several heads headstones. The mine donated the property for a new cemetery, which is still in use today. Over the next few decades, the Belmont Mines would see several more fires, the last of which led to the closure of the mines in 1942. It was during this final blaze that a man named Clarence Belmont perished. I'll tell you a little bit more about Clarence later, but for now, I want to talk to you about the Tonopah Cemetery. Okay, I'm very excited by that. And I've also got questions about why a mine is burning down all the time. And I wonder if the... Uh... You know, the fire truck surface was like uh, that story that we once did. You know, it was on the other side of town and the guy was the sheriff, the fire truck <laughs> warden. The, the bar owner, the, bar owner. the, the blacksmith, <laughs> the train driver. Yeah, that's. I mean, it was probably that sort of situation where there was just one guy who did all of the jobs. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the mine was just setting on fire every other week. Mm -hmm. I think they needed to get a safety officer in there or something. Yeah, throw a canary but... down there, for fuck's sake. <laughs> something. But the good thing was is that they had the old Tonopah Cemetery. For every time the thing burned down and, you know, somebody caught on fire, they could just pop them in the cemetery. All right. It's going to be now, spooky, I can imagine. The Tonopah Cemetery has a great website. They are so tourist-focused <laughs> that it's just little hints and little... Myths and facts, and I'm going to share the myths and facts with you now. 
I bet you were thinking this. Dom, myth number one, the old cemetery closed due to being overcrowded. Oh, yeah. That is not true. The fact is, the old cemetery closed as the tailings of the extension mine washed over the graves, destroying the headstones. The mine was planning an extension of their operation and wanted to prevent the cemetery property from expanding, so they donated the property of the new cemetery that's in use today. Oh. So it wasn't closed due to being overcrowded. It's all about the mining, and they just wanted some land that they weren't going to disturb to continue mining. Myth number two, which I know this was on your mind as well, The myth is a lot of people buried in the cemetery died due to a mysterious plague, also known as the Tonopa Plague, that occurred in 1902. (laughs) The fact is, the plague was a huge number of deaths in 1905, not 1902, due to pneumonia and assumed to be a result of the lack of sanitation, especially close to the slaughterhouses. Mm, Wash your hands, people. Yes. 56 people died between January and April, according to the Secretary of State Board of Health in his report to Governor John Sparks. After an article in the San Francisco, uh, um, the San Francisco Call, Mm. I guess that was the name of the paper. Ring, ring. Uh, (laughs) San Francisco. Um, So about the pneumonia scourge in Tonopa in 1901 and 1902, the Tonopa Daily Bonanza replied with a correction, arguing that they find the 27 deaths due to pneumonia between 1901 and 1902 in relation to a population of 1,500, not a heavy uh, mortality rate, mortuary rate. Yeah, that's not as many people dead. Um, There's nothing mysterious about the pneumonia cases as well as the documentation in the local newspaper. So... The Tonopa Daily Bonanza got upset with the San Francisco call because they were like, that's not that many deaths, guys. Like, stop making Tonopa sound like a shithole. Like, (laughs) cut it out. (laughs) Now, myth number three, the headstones have always listed the cause of death. Weren't you thinking that? Yeah. Didn't you believe that? Wasn't that a common thing? False. The cause of death was added in recent decades based on historic research conducted by historian Alan Metcher of the Central Nevada Historical Society. The cause of death was not listed on the original headstones. Only about 30% of the headstones are original. Many headstones were rebuilt by the Tonopa Conservation Crew under the guidance of Metcher with old material giving them an original look. Many of the graves were marked by Mitchell using dousing rods, an old technique employed to locate groundwater or other disturbances in the ground, such as grave sites. The technique proved to be accurate when the plot map was found years later in an attic in a row in Road Mountain uh, in the late 1970s. How creepy finding a map of an old cemetery. I, that's yeah. just creepy in itself. Is it creepier that Metcher, like, just had a stick and was just poking the stick in the ground? He's like, oh, yep, this looks like a, this is Jim. Jim's here, put a headstone. And then when they found the map, he was actually right. That was, in fact, Jim. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. So he did a good job of trying to, you know, maintain some history in this cemetery and listing the causes of death and making it a little bit more, you know, of a formalized thing where people could go and visit and yeah, be amazed by the people that were there and the things that they went through. Yeah, listeners, go um, give uh, old mate a five star review on Google's, please. Do it or go to Tonopa. I really want to go after reading all of these articles and things. <laughs> it's fantastic. Now, not only is are the you know the myths and the facts that I've just shared about Tonopa Cemetery fascinating, but 
they have a couple of really cool stories about some of the bodies that lay in this cemetery. And I'm going to share some of them with you because this is where I got on a deep dive (laughs) of old newspapers from the 1900s. And I have not one, not two, but three original front page stories from 1901, 1907, and they're just a treat. So this is from the Tonopah Daily Bonanza. (laughs) Firstly, great name for an article. And it's going to, I'm going to share a story with you about Bina Verolt. Now she lives at the Tonopah Cemetery now. She was buried there. Um, (laughs) She lives there. She died. (laughs) Yeah, she lives there. She's a permanent resident at the old Tonopah Cemetery. Now, the uh, sort of brief story of Bina is that she was an incredible woman running from the law in New York City, and she ended up dying in Tonopah. She currently haunts the visitor's center at the Tonopah Historic Mining Park. (laughs) She's handed out maps and bottles of water. (laughs) Oh, have you seen Jim's grave? It's three down from me. Come and have a look. Um, We've got balloons. We've got flowers. (laughs) (laughs) We've got wristbands, T-shirts. Come on down. Uh, all right. Brilliant. So rather than me, uh, yeah, I'm just going to read the story for you because it's fantastic. Do it. So Tonopa, Nevada, the Tonopa Daily Bonanza, Friday morning, May 8, 1908. The headline reads, Lurid Story Sprung. <laughs> Los Angeles paper gives an account of the life of Bina Verolt. How exciting. So here is the article. The Los Angeles Examiner of Wednesday, May 6th, has the following thrilling account of the life of Bina Verolt, a woman who died in this city last October together with her photograph. I don't, I'm reading this verbatim from 1908, so if it doesn't make sense, it's not my fault, I promise. The Hearst papers have been searching this section for news as to the manner of taking off of the Verolt woman. The article under a Tonopah dateline is, to express it mildly, the limit. The fate of Bina F. Verolt, the fascinating young woman who lived like a princess and startled New York two years ago with schemes of winning men's hearts and thousands of dollars through the notorious love syndicate of which she was the head, has been revealed in a strange way. Oh, I just... Do you see why I got caught up on these? This is verbatim from the newspaper. It's a thrill. The run-on sentences are enough to keep you. Yes, I have to take a deep breath before each of them. Uh, Last year, a woman drifted to this mining camp as a prospector. She had little money but a number of fine gowns. As unsuited for the work that she had come to engage in, as the woman herself seemed in contrast to the rough and sturdy men who were braving the hardships of heart and desert in the quest for gold. Oh, goodness gracious. There were but few women in the camp at the time, and this woman, who called herself Mrs. Hamilton, attracted a great deal of attention. No one asked where she came from, nor why. Mrs. Hamilton lived well for a while. Money was easy in Tonopah and miners impressionable. <laughs> it was reported on several occasions that she was to be married to different men who had made lucky strikes, but nothing ever came of the reports. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to marry Bill because Bill just <laughs> struck it lucky. And then Bill spends all his money at the, the bar. So she goes, actually, I'm going to marry Dave because Dave has just struck it lucky. Uh, Imagine if she was like the original source for the term gold digger. (gasps) 
Could you imagine? Yeah. Let's just claim it that that's the case. Oh my God, we're claiming it. We are claiming this. Vina, I mean, Bina Verolt, Gold Digger Original. Yep. You heard it here first, folks. Yes. All right. The article continues. Then the tide seemed to change. She was no longer sought by the men who had been her admirers. The reason they kept to themselves. The woman, the woman began to frequent the restaurants and concert halls and seldom refused to drink with any man who asked. She seemed to find her only solace in strong drink and it was not long before its effect was noticeable. She was no longer the woman of fine appearance who had dazzled the mining camp. Then she fell ill. A doctor was called and gave her attention, but the call had been too long delayed. The woman died in delirium. A coroner's jury was impaneled. The verdict was the woman had come to her death from alcoholism. The camp decided that Mrs. Hamilton should have a decent burial. An undertaker was given charge of the body. On the day of the funeral, a few men acted as mourners. <laughs> they acted as mourners. They weren't mourning her. And they watched the body consigned to the grave. Then the woman's effects turned over to J.P. Bristle as special administrator. It was Bina F. Verolt who died unknown in a mining camp. The administrator learned of her identity and revealed it today in answer to questions of one who had received word that the woman was the notorious Mrs. Verolt. G.O.T. Verolt, the husband, who had turned against his wife, told of her history. She was about 34 years old at the time of her death. She was born in Ironton, Wisconsin. Her maiden name was Bina Finnegan. Her father was a frequenter of saloons and was killed in a brawl. Her mother died after a spree. In her teens, Bina, a beautiful girl, went to Chicago and found employment. She soon plunged into a gay life and, when it was convenient, indulged in shoplifting to supply herself with clothing or money. Her operations in New York in August 1906, where she opened a love syndicate in conjunction with Mrs. Zella Brown and coaxed large sums of money out of many dupes, are well known and gave wide notoriety at the time. Wow, what a life to live. Right? And this is in, yeah, 1908 that story was printed. So that is the story of Bina Verolt, who is currently still residing at the Tonopa Cemetery. Wow. I love the name Love Syndicate. Like, Isn't that that's, great? That would look great on LinkedIn. Yeah, I agree. Agree. Now, to give you a bit of a tone of this Tonopa Daily Bonanza, which that won't be the last article I share with you. Mm. I just want to give you, so this is the front page. <clears throat> so the front page of the newspaper, obviously they have a bigger story, um, which is San Francisco witnesses most stirring sight. Largest armed naval force ever put ashore in time of peace or war marched through the streets of California metropolis. So that's kind of the big article. Yeah. But as you go through, you're like, um, what's like going on? with some of the stuff that's happening in this town. <laughs> so we have, um, oh, famous jewel reported sold. That was a good one. Uh, we've got woman's body at base of tree. <laughs> that's another uh, article there. Um, somebody got arrested for a bank robbery, a pair of bandits. Um, I do enjoy this little uh, article headline. Insane wife slays husband. My goodness, this is like a wild, wild west, pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. There's a fair bit going on. Uh, but that gives you a bit of a heads up on little Beena, who was running the love syndicates. Um, and just 
was having a time. I don't think the Bonanza needs to get on the San Francisco Calls case about making Tanopa. Tanopa, yeah. Uh, not an attractive or enticing place to come visit when all your articles are like, the women here are either dead by a tree, killing, yeah. killing their husbands. Killing their husbands, slaying everybody, going crazy. Um, but I can bring it back to the Belmont mine. Unfortunately, the luck of the Belmont mine um, wasn't super strong. As we know, there was lots of fires, but a couple of other people who are buried in the Tonopa Cemetery are the... Um, now, it's written differently in different places, okay? okay? So I'm going to refer to them as the Maravich brothers. Lovely. Um, but it is written, uh, yeah, Marojevic. It's There's a couple of pronunciations and it's different. I'm going to read it as it is in the Tonopa, the Tonopa Bonanza, um, which was published on Saturday, June 22nd in 1907. Headline reads, Terrible accident at the Belmont Mine. believe it or not, it's not a fire. The byline reads, A terrible accident happened early last night at the Belmont Orbins. I want to say Orbins. That's how I can read it. Mm-hmm. This is a newspaper that was scanned 2,000 years ago. So uh, <laughs> I'm doing my best. Now, uh, yes, a terrible accident happened early last night at the Belmont Orbins when a loaded car became unmanageable and started down a hill. Frank Marovich, in trying to stop the car, was knocked down and run over. And his brother, who went to his rescue, had both legs cut off and his arms badly bruised. Were they the brothers of Sabina and Ursula Ericsson? Oh my gosh, they could be. <laughs> they very well could be. Here's some more in-depth. The article continues to give you some more detail about how poor Frank and George ended up. George Marovich wended his way up the hill early last evening to pay his brother a visit, little realising what fate had in store for him and his. After arriving at the mine, he called his brother Frank out and it was during their conversation that Frank uh, Mar- Marovich, yeah, it's written differently there. It literally says Mar- Markovich in the same article. Come on, guys. <laughs> Editor. Proofread. <laughs> so during their conversation that Frank um, Marovich noticed that the loaded car of ore had gotten away and was coming down the hill. He jumped to the side of the track and in trying to swing onto the car, he fell under it and the car passed completely over his body, death coming instantly. Sorry, Frank. When George Marovich saw his brother had missed the side steps, he sprang to his rescue. But the oncoming car had gained so much momentum that before he could drag his brother from the track, he was knocked down by the car, which passed over his legs just above the ankle. He was quickly taken to the Miners Union Hospital where it was found necessary to amputate both legs above the ankle. Doctors Richards and Mapes in performing the operation found also that the left arm was fractured above the wrist and his right arm was badly bruised. He is in a very dangerous condition and the chances of recovery are small. Frank Marovich was taken to the morgue where the inquest will be held at 10 o'clock today. Sadly to say, not long after this was published, George did also pass from his injuries. I was just not to make light of such a horrific accident, but yes, I, I love that they're they're like <laughs> the the car runs over just above his ankles. Clearly, <laughs> he had has, his legs up. Clearly, <laughs> clearly, 
the the feet are no longer attached to the body, and then a doctor comes along and goes, "Oh, I think we oh. might have to amputate." Babe, your job's done for you, okay? But then I got a little bit frightened because they go, oh, they're just concentrating on the feet. Then we're worried about the arm. Do you know what? Chop it off. Oh, this one's got a bruise. Chop it off. (laughs) Get rid of them. (laughs) Forget it. We can't do anything in this day of age. Just fill him with coke, chop off all his fucking limbs, send him on his way. Absolutely. I mean, look, if you were going to amputate all my my limbs, you may as well coke me up. I'm sure it did, did wonders. Oh, for sure. I couldn't agree more. Uh, now, some of the, because I want to share some of the little articles yep. um, that we have. So the main article is Southern Pacific attacks Nevada's new railway law. Uh, so that seems like a, a big thing. Um, terrible accident at the Belmont. Grand jury indicts Mrs. Elsie Cronin. Lone bandit holds up two stagecoaches. Fire destroys business houses. Jurymen dead. Torpedo boat sunk. God, there's so much going on here. God, it's not exactly an exciting... Well, I mean, sorry, it is an exciting time, but it's not positive. It's a lot of gloom and doom and... I agree. And then it's a cold-blooded murder committed at Goldfield. And then finally, in big, bold letters, murder. George Devil Davis, victim of wife's fury, fires four shots into back of husband. Onlooker receives a bullet in ankle. Woman had threatened to kill. Now, would you believe <laughs> George Devil Davis is in fact buried at the Tonopa Cemetery? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story and why he got shot. Here we go. Here we go. I hope they treat women better. My goodness, there's there's a lot of anger and fury. I think there's there's one line which I can't wait to read to you because it made me so it just made me like guffaw. I was laughing out loud. I was like, wow. Uh-huh. I remember now. It was written in the 1900s. We'll get to it. So George the Devil Davis, he was the first African American in Tonopa. Wow. So it has some you know cultural and historical significance. Absolutely. Um, he was a political leader and an integral part of the community. He was known for being a bit of a joker and a prankster. And it is rumoured that he is still playing pranks on people at the Tonopa Liquor Company. So that is from the little cemetery website. But let me tell you what happened to George. Uh, You know, I've given you that the victim of wife's fury fired four shots in the back of husband. George Devil Davis, one of the best known characters in Tonopa, was shot shortly before three o'clock this morning by the woman who is said to be his wife and died 15 minutes later. The shooting took place in the Eureka Saloon, which was owned by the murdered man. Davis was standing at the crap table <laughs> near the... Sorry, oh God, I'm, such, I'm such a child. Because it's not even crap's table, it's crap table. Yeah. <laughs> crap's table. Near the rear door. When the woman entered, she stood directly behind him and not a foot away and without a word opened fire with a Colt revolver. The bullet struck Davis between the shoulders and as he partly turned and was falling, she fired again and continued firing as he went down. There was a big crowd in the saloon at the time and there was a scattering and a rush for the doors uh, and the windows as soon as the first shot was fired. Past the good tables or the... (laughs) The crap tables. (laughs) I'm such a child. Uh, A stray bullet struck Kitty Brune, a Negro. This is verbatim. 
from the article. In the ankle, five shots were fired in all, four of which took effect in the back of Davis. Devil Davis was for years porter in the Tonopa Club and was the first coloured man in Tonopa. He was known to every sport in the camp and was general favourite with all of them. He was a high roller himself and was a great josher. He got his name Devil from the fact that he was the political boss among the coloured population and whatever he said went. He had been married before and had a boy by his first wife. The little fellow was about nine years old and was sleeping in the house when the murder occurred. He slept on in blissful ignorance of the awful crime. The murderess had threatened the life of Davis two weeks before and had sworn that she would get him. As he fell, she said, I told you I would get you, you blank blank. So I have a feeling that would have been quite a mean (laughs) word that's perhaps not appropriate for this day and age. Uh, she She was very jealous of Devil on account of his alleged attentions of other women. And he had told her of her threats to, and he had told of her threats to carve him with a razor. Chief of Police Malley was on the scene with three of his officers in a few minutes after the shooting and the woman was taken into into custody. She acted as if she was full of dope and that she was drunk. Uh, But yeah, and of that there was no doubt. Mm. Poor Devil Davis. He died. (laughs) Yes, he most certainly (laughs) did. But um, I'm glad that... uh, you know, that there was a time or there were definitely inequalities, obviously, of people of different backgrounds, races, cultures, everything. And often a yeah. lot of that history is just never captured or shared or told. And, you know, no judgments on anyone involved in this story. I'm just glad. I'm glad that these stories are at least told somewhere instead of just being yeah. omitted from history because that's, you know... Agreed. And I think it's fascinating. I mean, not only just just the level of the story behind each of these deaths. This isn't like, this is in the same cemetery. I just feel like the cultural and historical significance of a lot of these stories is fascinating. Mm. That's what got me. I was like, these people are all laid to rest in the same place in Tonopa, Nevada, at this little cemetery, and the stories are wild. Yeah. It's, this is not, yeah, just, you know, softly slipping away in their old age. This is like she walked into a saloon and shot him in the back four times. Pow, 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 and then shot someone else accidentally in the ankle. It's, there's a lot going on. Mm. That's why cemeteries can be such fascinating places. Oh. Because there is. They're just, they're like a... They're like a, there's some famous saying, a cemetery is like the resting place for all unlived dreams or unfulfilled dreams. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, it's so true. And there's all these amazing stories, which you just never get to hear. Agreed. Now to sort of follow up uh, on September. So that was June, that previous article about that incident. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until September 25th, 1907, that there was the next little bit, um, you know, in terms of follow-up for that case. Okay. So the byline reads or the headline, Mrs. Ruth Davis taken to Carson. Mrs. Ruth Davis, the negress, negress, Mm I don't know how to pronounce it. I would never use that word anyway, but it's in the paper. Who murdered her husband, George Devil Davis, and who was convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to one year's imprisonment. 
in the state penitentiary, spent her first evening in the Bastille last night. She was taken to Carson yesterday, uh, yesterday morning by Sheriff Owens. With good behavior, the woman will be able to complete her sentence in nine months. She is the only female occupant of the prison and it is possible that she will be assigned to the kitchen as she is said to be a good cook. Oh. <laughs> it made me, that's the guffaw one. Yeah. That's where I was like, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs> yes, very uh, different so time. I was also shocked that she was given a, like a year's sentence. She murdered the man in cold blood. She shot him four times. I guess you think about it. I get, back then, people were not meant to weren't going to live all that long. I know. You know. Um, I'm not defending now, it. I'm just saying. No. Oh gosh, no. I hear that. Now, Dom. I know. Uh, funny you ask. I will read you some of the other articles um, that are headlined in this particular edition of the paper. Thanks for reading my um, mind. You're so welcome. Um, Ah, oh, pigskin chases now in field. <laughs> that's uh, that's one. That's about football. Um, uh, the teams commence practicing next Sunday at the uh, uh, ball grounds on California Heights. Um, any football players that are interested, they requested to report there at one thirty p.m. Good on you. Um, railroad travel. We can uh, find out some railroad times. Um, miscellaneous ads. Ooh, ads. Here we go. Uh, situation wanted by a young machinist. Oh, I thought it was going to say young man. Young machinist can do tool sharpening. So you can speak to J.E. Gross about that. Um, man wants position as cook in boarding house or camp. Uh, for rent. Ooh, two room house for rent. $15 a month. Oh, God. <laughs> I want to live somewhere for $15 a month. Um, oh, wanted white housekeeper, lower end town. Oh, thanks, Josie Wheeler. Quite specific about that. Any other cool articles? Um, there is measures for fighting plague. Sacramento, September 24. At a meeting at the State Board of Health today, Governor Gillett presiding, it was decided to appropriate $1,500 to fight the plague in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, steps were also taken to establish a barge in the bay to fumigate bay and rivercraft well i guess 1500 bucks to fight covid would have maybe gone down the tree okay uh, would you like to I know how much 15 dollars in today's money Ooh, would be obviously i do that would be around 520 dollars today get out of town yeah not bad so that's a bit of, that's not bad yeah i mean that's a month that's a month so, that's that's like yeah pretty much what i pay a week <laughs> that's yeah exactly right <laughs> all right now i've had to put the newspapers away uh because i will just sit here and read them for the rest of the episode and whilst it's thrilling for me it might not be for our listeners and i also promised to talk about the clown motel please so <laughs> i mean i love me... the papers kate i could i could yeah. read it too i think our listeners are loving it but you just you got to deliver on this clown i've got to I got to deliver. It was going to be the whole ep and now we've been like talking about graves all day and now it's time. Firstly, touching on a phobia because I haven't in a little bit. But coulrophobia, which I think I've spoken about before. Coulrophobia is the fear of clowns. I think I talked about it in the clowns episode. I want to throw that out Quite there li probably. Likely. 
Yeah. So if you've got coulrophobia, um, do not recommend staying at this hotel. <laughs> Holy ship. Uh, here's a bit of a rundown from the website. So they know what they're offering. Yeah. And this is what gives you a bit of a... This encaptures the hotel. So on the, the, the you know opening page... Uh, April 2019, a new vision for America's scariest motel was born. VJ Maha, with lots of quality experience in the hotel industry, thought of a new venture, a venture of his own that would make a difference. The motel offers guests a new, unforgettable experience. Uh, Meha from Las Vegas he'd worked at lots of different hotels um, and then he was sort of looking around with a dream to do something a bit different when he bought the world famous clown motel in Tonopa, Nevada. Mahaz started building his dream around the motel um, with the zeal of an obsession. As a result, he was continuously thinking of new things that he could do to the hotel, um, you know, addressing customers' needs but also respecting their aspirations. He began with giving the motel a facelift in 2019. Um, He made the motel more power-packed, ready to serve each guest a memorable stay, (laughs) giving an iconic touch to the creative maker uh, makeovers. Uh, he then characterized Jolly the Clown as his brand new image. He installed two Jolly Clown cutouts standing 19 feet tall. The tall clown duo stands imposingly, making the visitors and onlookers experience uh, fun, charm, and a great deal of shock and awe that thrills anyone. Bang on. His (laughs) creations of themed rooms... Exorcist, It, the concept of Halloween, and Friday the 13th rooms add a more spooky experience to the scariest motel that screams newness in every way. (laughs) Before the Clown Motel, (laughs) before the Clown Motel had a clown collection ranging of around 600, but now the museum boasts over 3,000 clowns. Oh. The motel is evolving every day. It's the first choice for ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, spooky fun lovers, YouTubers, horror filmmakers, clown lovers, and more. <laughs> what, what more can you want? Here, go to die. <laughs> oh, it's so horrendous. Uh, yes, so they go on to explain about how um, uh, Maha, he built a gazebo next to the Tonopa Cemetery uh, for ongoing tourists from the world over and guests and residents for fun parties birthdays and wedding celebrations um we're gonna have a whole generation of kids just petrified of clowns mate and you can like get married with the tonopa cemetery behind you with albina in attendance (laughs) and we'll get devil davis involved and george and frank bust out the old crap table (laughs) (laughs) the crap table okay now i know what you're all asking what is it like to spend a night at the Creepy Clown Motel? I don't know myself, but somebody on the internet does, so I'm going to share it with you. (laughs) Guests of the motel have reported odd laughter throughout the corridors, and according to Pachetti, one of the uh, people uh, who stayed at the hotel, one man claimed to wake up to a full-bodied clown apparition. For housekeeper Andrea Selig, it's been no laughing matter. When I come in here, I just get horrible anxiety. I literally feel like somebody's with me in the room. She also claims to have seen apparitions in the neighbouring cemetery. Why is she working there? (laughs) I know. I'm like, that sounds like a bit of a you problem, Mel. I'm sure there's some other hotels you could work at. But, you know, whatever floats your boat. 
during their investigation, Ghost Adventure was able to capture EVP, which is electronic voice phenomena, phenomenon, 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 phenomenon. So Ghost Adventures, they captured this EVP voice phenomena of a voice saying, hello, it turned on. As well as unprecedented footage of a large clown doll's hand moving off its leg, seemingly of its own accord. (laughs) (laughs) Dom's hands reaching out on the screen for those of you listening. Um, I watched that footage. It's creepy. (laughs) The clown's hand, it's like a life-sized doll and its hands are on its lap. And as they're in the room and it's like that creepy black and whitey, you know, night vision footage, the hand just slides off. Like as they're talking to the spirits and whatnot, the hand slides off its leg and it's, it got me. Oh. I was, and even the dude like literally went, fuck that. <laughs> he was like, I'm out. I'm, like, I'm ghost adventuring somewhere else. See ya. <laughs> oh, now um, uh, they, the ghost adventurers, they say that the motel's proximity to the Tonopa Cemetery could also be to blame for some of the strange events. Um, now, Clarence Belmont, I mentioned him right at the top of our episode. Mm. He died. Uh, his children, so 20 years after his death, they were the ones that opened up the cemetery. Uh, sorry, the motel next to the cemetery. Oh. So as of the Belmont Mine Company... Uh, yeah, Clarence died, and then 20 years later his kids went, well, there's the cemetery. I think a good thing to put next to that would be a motel. Let's do it. Um, well, so many people die just... so many funerals. They gotta, people got to stay. <laughs> Somewhere to stay. <laughs> so um, the daughters put a collection of, of clown figurines in the lobby. So that was just, you know, their own personal collection of clown things. It was about 150 little figurines that they just sort of put around, which in and of itself, okay. Uh, but that's what began the the clown motel. Oh. Um, so it's gone through different hands, you know, ever since then. Um, yeah, it's just it guarantees it claims to guarantee a unique overnight experience that you're unlikely to find anywhere else. So to get an idea of the motel, which is still in operation today, I peep some of the reviews. And I wanted to see some of the most recent ones. Don Spencer wrote a review in July of 2022. He gave it two stars and he said, this is nothing to clown about. (laughs) (laughs) I love Google reviews. Same. So Don, I'm going to give you a voice. I don't care if it's accurate or not. Of all the choices in Tonopa, the least offensive price wise was the infamous clown motel which is self-proclaimed as America's scariest motel, which is $100 less than any other place in town, inverted commas. (laughs) However, once inside, it may be one of the most offensive hotels I've ever stayed in. But I had to give it a shot because of its weird history. The good, affordable for a quick rest-up. The bad, well... It began with a 10-inch centipede in the bathroom with large claws hoping I would not notice until it took a chomp out of my foot. (laughs) But that creature met an early demise. (laughs) (laughs) The internet worked okay unless others were using it, then it was dead. (laughs) And on that note, once I entered Tonopa, my cell service was flatlined. 
which is why I stayed at the Clown Motel, because they had internet. I'm not sure I can complain about how incredibly unkept the place was because, after all, they just say it was the clowns that left everything looking old and outdated with paint chipping off the walls and holes in the walls. But I why would you do this? Come on, Don. I did turn on my black light just to see how dirty the place was and actually my room, it wasn't as bad as some of the other Vegas hotels I've stayed in, <laughs> but maybe that's the charm of the clown motel. <laughs> <laughs> to wrap it up, I guess the title America's Scariest Motel is fitting if you like staying in an authentic American dive. Should you stay? I did not get visited by any clowns at night, but maybe if I stayed another night, things might not go as planned. You have been forewarned. (laughs) Kate, you okay? That was an Oscar-winning performance. Two stars for Don Spencer. Um, I think his picture did look like a young guy, so sorry about that, Don, but you are now an old man who just wanted internet. (laughs) You read like it, babe. (laughs) (laughs) oh glory be dom this has been such a trip down the tonopa highway (laughs) i don't even know what it's called before i go though i promise i'll let you all leave very soon dom i just want to ask you i have a description of four of the rooms at the clown motel and i want to know which one you would like to stay oh i love this okay so room 108 To start with, this is the it-themed room. So on the uh, closet door is a big picture painted image of the clown from It, the the modern version, not the classic. So you could be lying in bed and that would be just to your left shoulder if you were lying on the bed. So that's a treat. Mm. They come up with some little backstories for all the rooms, which is great. So the It room, not long ago, motels were the best option for the elderly and terminally ill. (laughs) One such elderly man was the motel's very own front desk manager. One night he was staying in the motel and became severely unwell. He picked up the phone to call the front desk. It rang and rang, but no response. He called his sister who dialed 911, but it was too late. He died on his way to the hospital. When questioned, the front desk agent from uh, from that night said the phone never rang and even played back the surveillance footage with which proved the phone never rang. It's almost as though something was trying to stop his calls for help. <gasps> if a red balloon just floats through there, um, that would be amazing. Yeah. yeah. And we will post images from the website on our socials. Please look at these decorations. So room 108, the it room. These are all like paintings as well these aren't digital prints this is someone who's gone their best to make a likeness which almost makes it worse uh but that's okay all right so that was room 108 room 111 now this is like this is an exorcist an exorcist theme hotel room so again closet doors there's a hand-painted i'm just looking at it and it's so funny (laughs) there's a hand-painted picture of the girl when she's going through a most uh you know exorcisty phase with the hair and the big eyes do yourself a favor room 111 was the room where a terminally ill man came to live out his final days like many elderly motel guests doctors had given him a short time to live and he did not wish to burden his family each night the man went to sleep expecting to never wake up 
Again and again, he woke up to live another day Mm. until eventually, as he told the motel staff, he noticed an eerie shadow would appear in his room during the early hours of each morning. He begged the spirit to take his life, a request he was repeatedly denied. Overwhelmed with frustration, the man shot himself in the Clown Motel car park. Oh, I was about to say, if he did it in the room, that would be... Yeah, that's quite the... A bit much. Yeah, that is a bit much. You're right. So that's 111. Okay, room 210, second floor. (laughs) This one, it's Halloween, I think. It's so bad. (laughs) It's just so shit. And it's so... But I love in that review from Don where he's like, yeah, but you go and you go, my bed wasn't made. And they go, oh, the clowns did it. (laughs) (laughs) It The clowns. Ah. 210, room 210, suffering from excruciating back pain while on a long haul journey, a man from Arizona made a forced stop at the Clown Motel. It was a physical condition he'd had for many years of frustration as he failed to find any real medical diagnosis. For the first morning in many years, when he woke up at the Clown Motel, he felt completely different. His back had lessened so much he could barely feel any discomfort. He was so convinced the motel spirits had cured him. He continued to live there for over six years and died in this very room where he was cured. Okay. I don't want to stay in 210. I hope the last room is a shining one because that would make an amazing hotel room. I find it. Do you know what's annoying? I actually find it really difficult to see what it is. It's from the doorway and there's a hideous clown on the door first and foremost. Um, I cannot tell what it is. And by themed rooms, it's like they've got one painting on the cupboard doors. That's, That's it. There's it. <laughs> not really a lot else going on. But two th- room 214. It's the last one. You can pick, And then we can pick after this. Howard Hughes was an eccentric 1970s Texas billionaire. His close associate, Melvin Dumas, made a visit to the motel for an overnight stay and he didn't leave until nearly three years later. How do you do that? Oops, forgot to check out. (laughs) It's said that a spirit took a liking to the unsuspecting Mr. Dumas and often comes back to his room to see if he's returned. Frustrated he hasn't found his old friend, the spirit is known to taunt guests by turning lights on and off during the day, during the night, and many guests have said that their personal belongings strangely become hidden or disappear altogether. <laughs> Must be the fucking clowns. <laughs> oh, it's the clowns. The fucking clowns. Me, me iPad's gone missing. Well, the clowns. <laughs> Can't help you. So would you like room 108 with the guy that killed himself? Would you want – oh, wait, no – the call that never came in and he died in the the ambulance. Room 111, which is the exorcist one. The guy shot himself in the car park. Room 210, um, where the, you know, person had the back pain and then died in the hotel and it kind of looks like a Halloween theme. Or room 214, Howard Hughes's mate, Mr. Dumas, uh, you know, died. I'm going to have to go with <laughs> Left. the exorcist room just because it is... One of my, oh my all-time God. favorite films. And... Do yourself a favor. I will absolutely double check to make sure I'm literally saving that image again right now. Room one eleven. Uh, room one eleven. Because you have to have it. You have to put that on the socials. It's hilarious. Shall we make that our pop culture reference this week, Kate? That's a great idea. Have we done that before? We have not done The Exorcist before. Have we really not? No. Holy moly! I feel like we missed a big bloody thing there. Let's do it. Let's bloody do it. Oh, my goodness. Dominic, that brings us to the end of my Goo Goo Gaga episode about Tanopa Nevada 
the cemetery and the clown motel. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're all able to keep up. I did realize halfway through how quickly I was speaking. So if none of that made sense or if, you know, you want to read more of the articles, we'll post a link for the the archive website. It's a thrill. Yeah, well done, Kate. No, I think that was a great story. Like we often find you know, we speak about one particular story and we have to leave out all this other history or all this other, you know, intense stuff yeah. that happens. So I'm kind of loving the format of these multiple stories in this, <laughs> this one is space. My, exactly. These are my little, you know, multi-hits. And again, I think my aim is to give you one little tidbit you can share at the bloody dinner table or standing on the bar stools or whatever. <laughs> Don't stand on bar stools. That could be dangerous. Yeah, I've um, broken a wrist that way. <laughs> exactly right. Tom knows best. <laughs> well, but thank you for joining me. Yes, thank you, Kate. That was an amazing week. And next week I'm going to revisit an old story of ours and uh, give people a slightly alternative um, option or... Ooh. version of a story um so it's it, is it like a choose your own adventure no this is just uh this is one story i did where <clears throat> i referred to a particular movie and what inspired it and there's a whole yes. nother story which like we just mentioned we can't ever get into because there's just too many i know so this is the untold story and uh I don't, I can't find other examples of it on podcasts or, or things. So Amazing. dare I say, this I might wait. even be a first. So an origi ditch. Mm, so stay tuned. Outstanding. And go. I'll be here. Check out our Patreon. Kate is there. She'll be waiting for you. She'll have a cup of coffee I am. as you. <laughs> well, more usually a glass of wine in my case, but that's okay. <laughs> She's high functioning. <laughs> okay. Speaking of which, it's one o'clock. See you later, Kate. Bye, everybody. We love you. Ciao, ciao. Ciao. That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.